0: Of course, we are studying through the Old Testament book of Habakkuk for the last, uh, now this is our ninth week in Habakkuk. Uh, we have one more next week and we'll finish up the book of Habakkuk and our study there. And so I just want to kind of catch you up, but I'm not going to go through the whole uh, story and the whole process again. If you want to under, know, understand what's going on and you want to hear the rest of the messages, they're online, they're on the podcast, they're on SoundCloud, you can get them. And uh, so just kind of want to catch us up real quick. Now, uh, where we are in Habakkuk chapter number 3, Habakkuk has taken an incredible turn from where he started out in chapter number 1. The book of Habakkuk begins with the prophet having some massive issues with God. He's not happy with how God is handling things, specifically how he is handling the nation of Judah. He has prayed for a revival and God had answered his prayers and sent an incredible national revival to the nation of Judah. And he is just on cloud nine. He is ecstatic to see God moving and working in his nation and the hearts of the people and in his neighbors and friends. And then, as quickly as it came... The revival vanishes and the nation goes deeper into idolatry, deeper into wickedness, deeper into uh, just rebelling against God. And so Habakkuk, he's, he's confused. He doesn't understand why God would allow such a thing to happen. He's, he's upset that God is allowing it to happen. He's kind of angry at God. And so the first chapter, chapter number one of Habakkuk, is just Habakkuk kind of in anger and confusion and frustration, kind of complaining to God, asking God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? Your people are being so wicked and vile, and you're not doing anything, God. Why are you not doing something? And then God answers Habakkuk and says, Habakkuk, I am doing something. Matter of fact, I'm going to send the Chaldeans, a wicked, vile nation, to come into the land and to to discipline the nation of Judah and to to conquer them and punish them for their sins against God. And so Habakkuk, he he kind of goes back to God and says, well, that's not what I wanted you to do. That's a bad idea. You ever asked anybody how they're going to handle the situation? They tell you, like, well, that's that's just a bad idea. That's not how to do it. That's exactly what Habakkuk do. Habakkuk comes to God and said, God, here's a problem. Fix it. God said, well, here's how I'm going to fix it. Habakkuk said, that's the wrong way to fix it, God. And he basically, at the beginning of chapter number two, he goes to God and says, God, what you're doing is wrong. You can't use a wicked nation to judge our this nation because they're more wicked than us. And that's not right. You can't use something more wicked to judge something that's less wicked. Their false gods will get the praise. So, God, you are wrong in this. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And God, very lovingly, very gently, very honestly, corrects Habakkuk. You know, Job had the same problem with God, and God was kind of harsh with Job. But Habakkuk, God's very gentle with. You know I mean? Put, your, put yourself in God's place. If your kids came to you and told you, Mom, Dad, you're dumb. You're wrong in this situation. Here's how we're going to run our family. Number one, they'd be picking up their teeth off the floor after about a second. And I'll say, I'm going to tell you how we're going to run things. You better run. Because I'm coming. But that's not what God does. God very gently, very lovingly, very honestly corrects Habakkuk. He tells them, he says, Habakkuk, buddy, you have no idea what you're talking about. You, You only see what's going on right now. You don't see the whole scope of everything I'm working out. You don't know what's behind you. You don't know what's happening on the other side of the globe. Man, you don't even know you're on a globe. You have no idea that, that the world doesn't drop off 30 miles outside of Judah. You have no idea what's going on. You are limited in your scope. You are limited in your ability. You are limited in every single way that I am unlimited in. And of course, it, it doesn't make sense to you. Of course, you're, you're confused by this. Of, of course, you don't understand what's going on because you only see today and I see eternity and it's not up to you to understand Habakkuk it's up to you to trust me and he asks him do you trust me and Habakkuk goes from arguing with God being frustrated with God to really praising God in an incredible way God shows himself to Habakkuk in a really powerful way and Habakkuk begins to see God differently he begins to worship God not only for what he does, but for who he is. He worships God that he, he is going to discipline Judah because that means he loves them and cares for them. He begins to worship him and praise him for sending the discipline. Now, as a believer, we are to do both. We are to, yes, praise God and worship God for what he does for his creation, for his grace, for his mercy, for his love. But we're also to worship and praise him for for who he is, for his holiness, his purity, his, his goodness and grace on our life. We're to praise Him and worship Him for who He is and for what He has done for us in Christ. And that's kind of where we, we stopped last week. And what we talked about last week and what we're going to talk about this week and what we're going to finish up with next week, this, this chapter of Scripture, this portion of Scripture, it is a song. In verse number 1 of Habakkuk 3, the prophet says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shigionoth. Now that word Shigionoth is not a place it's a thing it's a stringed instrument it's like a really big guitar and so what Habakkuk is telling us is what we're reading is set to music it is a song of praise that he is singing to his Heavenly Father Now look the Chaldeans are still coming God told him in chapter 2 Habakkuk write it on a rock cuz it's gonna happen Pain is still coming. Discipline is still coming. And he's going he's to suffer, but he's singing praises to God. Now, honestly, it's a weird song, but it is still a song to God. So let's pick up in verse number 4 of Habakkuk chapter number 3. And his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence and burning coals went forth at his feet. That's a weird line for a song. All right. We have never praised God in church or any church that I know of for horns coming out of his hand. That's not a song. We we don't we just don't sing about that. There is no song in our hymn book or any praise song that praises God for pestilence. Just a weird song. Praise God for the power of the horns in His hand. Praise God for the pestilence that's coming His way. But there's a purpose for this song. Look at verse number 6. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder. The nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the t- tents of Cushan and affliction and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea that thou didst ride upon thine horses in thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribes. Even thy word, Selah, Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountain saw thee and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and the moon stood in their habitation. At the light of thine arrows they went. And at the shining of thy glittering spear, thou didst march to the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the sal- for the salvation with thine anointed. And thou woundest the head of the house of the wicked by discovering the Foundation unto the next Sela, Thou didst strike through with his staves the head of his villages. They came as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of great waters. Now, this is a very strange, very intense song that Habakkuk is singing and it seems a little odd with all these these things he's talking about but it's a incredible song that he is singing about the glory and the and the supply of God Habakkuk knows that the Chaldeans is come are coming He knows that God is about to sift Judah in discipline and it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. And knowing what lies ahead for Judah, knowing what lies ahead for himself, he begins to sing a song of God's faithfulness. In verse number 5, he is singing about how God appeared to Moses veiled in power. Look at that again. It says, Before him went the pestilence, the burning coals went forth as his feet. He's, he's singing about how God came to Moses and appeared to Moses and used Moses and revealed his incredible power through Moses. And then in verses 6-15, you, you have these constant reminders of God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel. He reminds him, hey, who parted the Red Sea so, so the Israel could go through? God did it. Who, who 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 stopped the Jordan River so God's people could go through through the promised land? God did. Who drove the giants out of Canaan? God did. Who delivered Israel out of slavery and took them to the promised land? Moses? No, not Moses. God did. Now God used Moses, but God did. The work, So he's remembering God's faithfulness. Who made the promise to Abraham thousands of years before that he would give them this promised land? God did. Who created the promised land in the first place? God did. He's reminding himself, God has been so faithful to me. God has done so much for us and God did it all. It was none through our power. It was nothing through what Israel could do. When he talks about the pestilence and the plagues and how they got out of Egypt, it wasn't through their might. Israel didn't raise up an army and fight Egypt and conquer the army. No, no, no. God fought for them. The most powerful army in the world, God destroyed them, and Israel did nothing but watch the power of God. Saying God has been faithful. When they fought the battle of Jericho, remember that story? It's an incredible story. They crossed through the, Red sea, through, the promise, through the Jordan River, and who, who stopped the river so they could get there? God did. God stopped or parted it. So, in the flood stage, have you ever seen the Jordan River in the flood stage? It is a massive amount of water. God parted the river. They walked through the river. They start spying out the land, get Jericho, and they say, Man, there's, there's all these giants, there's all these this fortified. I say, How are we going to defend it? How are we going to beat it? And so, Joshua, he's the leader now. He says, Hey, bring me all the soldiers. Uh, we don't have any of them, Joshua. Well, bring me all of our weapons. You know what they bring him? A bunch of trumpets. Joshua's thinking, well, I don't know how this is going to work. You know what happens? God comes to him. He says, Joshua, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the city of Jericho, and for six days, you're going to march around the city. That's all you're going to do. Just one day, one day, one time each day, you're going to march. On the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. When you're done marching, you're going to blow your trumpets, and the wall's going to fall. Sounds stupid. Now, I've read some stories where people say, well, the marching kind of weakened the foundation of the wall, and the blew the trumpet, and the sound waves hit it, and the foundation was already weak. No, 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 no. God dropped the walls. God gave the victory. God did it all. So he's reminded, hey, who, who conquered Jericho? God did. He even references where God made the sun stand still so Joshua could finish the job of destroying the Amalekites. Again, God told Joshua, go destroy the Amalekites. Destroy everything about them. If they got a dog, kill the dog. If they got cows, kill the cows. Kill everything, destroy everything. Wipe them off the face of the earth. And Joshua is, is conquering them. the Amalekites. are fleeing. It's an incredible victory. But Joshua's like, I'm going to run out of daylight. I'm not going to have enough time to finish the job. So he prays to God and says, God, could you just make time stand still for a second? And God said, sure. And just stopped the sun. Who did that? Joshua? No. God stopped the sun so they could destroy the Amalekites. So God has been incredibly good to them. In all the threshing of the nations, all the turning of the waters, he is singing about and he is pointing us back to the faithfulness of God to his people. In some of the darkest moments of Israel's history, God always came through for them. God was always with them. Habakkuk is facing impending discipline. He's facing incredible pain. He is facing difficulty. And he is rejoicing and remembering the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Look, there's a a belief in Christianity I don't think it's, 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 sometimes it's preached, but I don't try to preach it. That when pain comes, we're supposed to praise God for the pain. Thank you, God, for the layoff. Woo, praise God for the sickness. Thank Jesus, my, all this bad stuff has happened to me. Man, isn't it great? I lost my job. My dog died. My mother-in-law's moving in. Praise the Lord. I'm so happy. That's not what Habakkuk is saying. And that's not what the Bible Teaches. Habakkuk is praising God for his faithfulness, but he's not praising God for the coming pain. Look at verse number 16. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his, with his troops. There's not one of us here that cannot have our life completely flipped upside down today by a phone call. None of us. Some of you here, you've gotten that phone call. You've gotten the call from the doctor. You've had maybe a a, a police officer, a state trooper knock at your door and tell you about an accident that's happened. You've had your life completely changed in an instant. And if you haven't, it can happen any time. None of us here are immune to pain. If you haven't gotten the call, you can get it this week. You can, you can do whatever you want to do to control your life, but you're not in control. You can protect your kids however you want to. You can make them wear bubble wrap when they're riding their bikes. You can do anything you can to keep them safe, and you should. I'm not saying just, oh, well, you know, whatever, son, do whatever. God's in control, so whoo, jump off the roof, you'll be fine. I'm not saying that. Be wise put up safeguards, be, you know, use, use good common sense. But you can do everything you can to keep everything the way you want it to be. You're not in control. You can, be the, you can be the best driver in the world, but you're on the road with thousands of idiots who aren't good drivers. And you can't control them. So you can, you can do whatever you want, but you are not in control. So Habakkuk is saying You don't have to sing, yes, Jesus, thank you for this pain. Because you can say, God, this stinks. I don't like this. In fact, there is rottenness in my bones over this situation. Habakkuk said, I was sick that this was happening. Yet I quietly waited on the day of trouble, waited for the Chaldeans to invade us, because I knew God's always been faithful. And he always will be faithful, even in pain. God has told him the Chaldeans were coming to discipline Judah, but then he will use Judah to show wrath to the Chaldeans. So what Habakkuk is saying is saying, God, do what you're going to do. I know you love us. I know you're for us. I know you're leading us to what we ultimately need to be and to do. And I know that in the end, justice will prevail. And then he sits down and rests in that, even though the Chaldeans are coming. You know, the Bible, we need to understand this, the Bible is not about you. You know, we always say, I've always taught kids the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Anyone ever heard that? Not as many of you as you needed to. The Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. And there's a lot of principles in the Bible that we need to live by. How to treat your spouse, how to treat your enemies, how to raise your kids, how to do your money. There's a lot in there that God gives us and teaches us how to live a life that is honoring Him. How to live a life that is successful. So it's a, it's a great book to read. and great, It has a lot of principles in there. But the Bible is not about you. You are not the point of the Bible. The Bible is one story. It is the story of God reconciling himself to man. It is about God making all things the way it should be through Jesus Christ. That is the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is not about you. And see, we tend to put ourselves in the stories of the Bible. We look at the story of David and Goliath. We think, man, I'm David in that story. No, you're not. You're not David. You ain't got the courage to go face a giant with, with five rocks. You're, you know who you are? You're the chicken uh, Israelites, too scared to get out and do anything. You're the one cowering in your tent thinking, oh, God, we're going to be dead. You know who, Dave, who David is? David's God. He's Jesus stepping into the scene and doing everything for us that we could not do for ourselves. So when you read the Bible, don't say, oh, I'm the hero. You are never the hero. You're not the children of the fiery furnace. You're, you're, not, you're always the bad guy. God's always the good guy. Now in Habakkuk chapter 3 here, we don't have a central Christ character. We don't see a direct example of Jesus, but we do see a gospel rhythm being established. We see a way of living for those who are in Christ regardless of the circumstances they face. That's what we see in chapter number 3. There are some of you here today, you're, you're doing great. Your life is in a great position right now. you got plenty of money in the bank, everybody's healthy, everybody's happy, your life couldn't be any better. And I, I mean, I rejoice in that, but don't get too secure in that. There's some of you, your marriage is incredible. Maybe, maybe you just got married. Maybe like Matt and Alyssa, here. y'all been married, what, three years, two years? Three years, they've been married three years. Ryan and Rachel, y'all been married, what, eight months, nine months? Now they've been married so long, they don't know that marriage is not always fun and games. You haven't realized, man, this, this guy I'm married to, he's great right now, but one day he's going to be an idiot. And I'm going to have to work through some serious stuff. Maybe you're, maybe you're here You're like me in April. You've been, you've been married longer, 20, 30. We've got somebody here who have been married 40, 50 years. You, you have been through some difficult times. You've got through it together, and your marriage is great right now. You're like, man, we we've, we've been through, it's not perfect. We've been through some fires. We've been through some trials, but we're good right now. Maybe there's some of you here who's like, Tomorrow morning, if something doesn't change, I'm going to the divorce attorney. That could be happening. I don't know. Some of you here you're you're healthy, you're doing great. Some of you here, you, you got a call from the doctor last week, or maybe a couple months ago, maybe a loved one's dying. There's nothing you can do about it. Maybe your kids are, 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 are incredible right now. Your kids are making you proud. They're, they're loving Jesus. They're serving God. They're doing incredible things. Maybe, maybe your kids are breaking your heart. Maybe your kids have rejected you. All of us here. We, we can be, have good days or bad days. Maybe you're here and you're, 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 you're looking the part. you you got your Bible open. you got your journal. You're taking notes. You're looking the part, but you're in a, a stage of life now where you're in a dry and weary land with God and you haven't heard from God in forever, but you look the part. You're the ones I worry about. I worry about the ones of you who can look the part and not really hear from God because that's dangerous. Maybe every time you open your Bible, the Holy Spirit just speaks. And that's those times are great when you open your Bible and the Holy Spirit just speaks to you and God just speaks to you. But look, I'm here as a pastor, I'm here to tell you there are some times where it's dry. And you go to God and like, God, why aren't you talking to me right now? And look there've been times where I'm 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 talking to God, I'm reading and I'm not getting anything and I go to God and say God if there's sin in my life show it to me and I'm 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 praying and I'm, I'm thinking I'm like Lord there's there's nothing really blatant in my life that I can think of Lord I think we're in good terms but you're just you're just not talking to me now. All of us here are in entire different different places in our life. When you learn what we learn get from this text here this morning the implications for all of us that we see there are implications for every, regardless of where you find yourself in life. Your life's great. Your life's fallen apart. No matter where you are, there's implications for all of us. So what we see here is whether everything's well, there's money in the bank or not. Whether everything's going great, whether you're healthy or not. The pattern we see in, in Habakkuk is no matter what is going on in your life, you are to remember and rejoice. Remember what God has done and rejoice in what God is doing. Amen. That's what Habakkuk is doing. He goes, God, I'm going to remember the incredible things you have done in my life. And I'm going to rejoice that you're sending discipline. I'm going to rejoice in what you're doing. We need to remember who God is, remember what God has done and what he's accomplished, and we need to rejoice in that, rejoice in him and his work. And that is the firm foundation of our joy regardless of our circumstances. It's when you forget that, when you forget to remember and rejoice that you find yourself in trouble. That's when the weight of the world begins to crush down on you. So this morning, what are we to remember and rejoice in. There's we can be here all week talking about things to remember and rejoice in. I'm just going to give you 3. That if you're a child of God, every one of us this morning can remember and rejoice in these. Number 1, remember and rejoice that God saved you. That look if you're if you're saved this morning, God saved you. That is an unbelievable truth. It is an imperative that you understand God saved you. You did not save you. There is nothing you did to make yourself worthy for God. There is nothing you did to bring yourself into the family of God. God saved you. You Say, well, Pastor Sean, that's not true. I heard a message one day. I realized I was a sinner, and I came forward, and I accepted Christ as my Savior, and that's the moment I became a Christian. No, it ain't. That may be a great that's a great memory and we need to cling to that and say this is the time I, I this is what happened in my life but who prompted you who drew you out of that seat to come forward and confess your sin to God God saved you God drew you to himself the holy spirit opens your heart to receive the truth of the gospel and God saves you you didn't become good enough or earn it or anything God saved you John 6:44 says no man come to me except the father which hath sent me draw him. When you got out of that seat and came down that aisle it was because the spirit of God worked in your heart is because God saved you. You weren't called because you were so awesome. God had to have you. You weren't called because you had so much skill. God couldn't run the world without you being part of his team. You were brought in by God the Father. You were brought in through the shed blood of Jesus Christ only, or you weren't brought in. It is the blood of Christ that enables you to come near to the Father. God saves you, and we can remember and rejoice in that. You didn't get up one day and start reading your Bible, stop cussing and become so good God had to have you. You were saved through the death The burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ God saved you or you're not saved that's a simple Bible truth Colossians 2 says this and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh he hath he quickened look what do dead people do nothing dead people don't do anything oh but there's a show called the walking dead they eat no dead people are dead once you're dead, that's it. You're not getting up and doing anything. And if you do, you weren't really dead. So dead people do nothing. He says, you who were dead were worthless, were incapable of doing anything, God quickened. The word quickened means resurrected, brought back to life. You were dead, had no goodness of your own. God gave you life. God saved you. Through so you being dead in your sins and the unrighteousness of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. He didn't forgive you because you earned it. Because you were dead, you couldn't earn it. Who, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it on the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them all. God did that, you didn't. God saved you. That is something we can all remember and rejoice in, that God, despite me, as wicked as I was, as wicked as I still am, God, Lord, as unworthy as I am, you saved me. You were dead and God saved you. We remember and rejoice that God saves us, God rescues us, God delivers us. He's the one that came and grabbed us. God is the one that reached deep down in the miry clay and pulled you up and put your feet on the solid rock. You didn't climb out of the miry clay. God pulled you out of it. God saved you. Remember and rejoice in that. Second thing we can remember and rejoice in, remember remember and rejoice that God has not abandoned you no matter how dark your situation is, no matter how difficult what you're going through is, you are not abandoned. We weren't abandoned to wrestle with sin, to deal with dark days, to walk through life and hard times on our own. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore, this course of great commission we always preach, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the earth. God said, go out and preach the gospel." Minister, witness, live your life, be an example to the world. And no matter what you're going through, I will always be with you. The dark days, God is always with you. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be be uttered. God doesn't abandon you to work out your troubles on your own. He is there with you, helping us through them, guiding us through them. When we go through the valley of the shadow of death, God is still with us. He has never, and He will never abandon us. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, but you don't know what I'm going through, preacher. I don't care what you're going through. God has not abandoned you. He is always with you. But I feel so alone. But you're not. Your your family can reject you. Your friends can't abandon you. The whole world can turn his back on you. But God has never and will never abandon you. The Chaldeans were coming for Habakkuk. And just put people he loved, people he knew, we're going to die. His bro, I don't know what his family was. I know he had a dad and a mom, obviously. I don't know if they were still alive or not. I don't know if he had brothers or sisters. I don't know if he was married. We don't know any of that. But his, his mom and dad, if they're still alive, they could be killed. His wife could be made a slave. Pain's coming. But God was still there. God had not abandoned him. You were not alone. God has not abandoned you. Remember, and rejoice in that truth even in the dark times third thing we to remember and rejoice in remember and rejoice that god is not finished if you're breathing oxygen this morning god's still working in your life but it's so dark god is still working in your life but pain is coming God is still working in your life. Since it is God that saved you, since it is God that called you to salvation, and God that started working in your life, God is still working in you and he will not stop until he finishes what he's doing. But Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this very thing, he that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many of y'all have some unfinished projects around the house? The so things you've started and just haven't quite gotten around to finishing. Maybe it's been a couple of days. Maybe it's been a couple of weeks. Maybe it's been a couple years. I've got pallets in my woodshed that April's wanted, and I'm I'm just I'm I'm leaving them there until the pallet craze goes away and then it becomes kindling. Because she gives, can you build me a, a, a bed out of pallets? No, no, I cannot, and I will not because that's just dumb. So I'll leave the pallets there and there's for projects she wants me to do, but I'm just I'm not gonna. I just I haven't gotten. I don't have time or desire. God doesn't say, I'm going to start working in Shawn Minix. Oh, wait a minute, let me go over here and work in this guy's life, and I'll, I'll get to him later. If I'm still here, if you're still here, God is still working in your life. Especially through the pain. This work, it sometimes hurts. Sometimes brings us through dark times. It sometimes confuses us. But all of it is God working on us. You know, I love, I love sculptures especially the ones the, the ancient Greeks and did and the, these incredible sculptures. And, I mean, do you get this marble and you make this beautiful figure out of marble like this was a lump of rock and all of a sudden now it's this just, just beautiful statue. How'd that happen? A lot of chiseling, a lot of hammering, a lot of sanding, a lot of shaping. It, didn't, it wasn't great on the marble, but the result's incredible. It's what God's doing in your life. He's chiseling away some things. He's hammering away some things. He's got to remove some things. And, and, and it hurts when he does it. But there's an incredible purpose before it. God is shaping you into the image of his son. And I don't know about you, but I look a whole not like Jesus. And so to get me to look like Jesus, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of hammering. A lot of chiseling, a lot of shaping, a lot of molding, a lot of sanding. And sometimes it hurts. But it is God working in my life. Habakkuk can remember and rejoice that even in the pain, even in the discipline, it is God working in his life. Remember and rejoice that God is not finished with you. The Apostle Paul, he... He had incredible freedom in Christ. You, you couldn't stop him. The, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, time and time again, they tried to stop Paul, and you, just, you couldn't stop him. He wouldn't give up. He, couldn't, he would never stop serving God. You could put him in prison, he's going to win the prison guard to Jesus. You could try to kill him, he's rejoicing, he gets to go to heaven. What do you do with a guy that's like, I'm going to kill you? Woohoo, praise God. What do you do with a guy? Nothing. You could stone him, he gets up and goes and preach the gospel the very next day. You beat him to shut him up, and he's praising God, saying, Hey, I count the suffering today to be more glorious than what I'm gonna have tomorrow. Woohoo! Thank you for hitting me with rocks. You can't do anything with a guy like that. You can't, you you persecute him, he's glad to suffer for Jesus. He rejoices in death, he rejoices in life, and he rejoices in tribulation. You cannot touch him, he is free because he knows. He knows who he belongs to. And he's free because he knows God saved him. God won't abandon him. And God's not done with him. If you can remember and rejoice in these things, you'll be unshakable in your faith. Even in the darkest days of your life. You know why we struggle? Because we're forgetful. We forget how good God has been to us. We forget that even in the most painful times, God's still there loving us, comforting us, working in our lives. We forget who the author and the finisher of our faith is. We forget his promises and the fact that he has always kept them. He has never broken his word to us. When facing trials... Facing difficulties, pain, and hurt, remember, no matter what you're going through, God saved you, God will never abandon you, and God is still working on you. We can remember and rejoice in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,